Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, April 9th, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion about The Falcon and The Winter Soldier, Episode 4, The World is Watching. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Okay, let's get into it, Brad. Uh, we, we really haven't had uh, many feedback sections for these these episodes because a lot of it's very straightforward. But this week, we do have a couple emails I want to get to, and actually, uh, a bunch of them are actually we're going to read in the speculation section. As you know, every week, we this is divided into four sections. We do feedback, we do our brief reactions, we do our breakdown, and the speculation. Uh, but I'm keeping some of those for the speculation because some people might consider them possible spoilers, even though it's like speculation. So I, th- I think I'm going to keep that, keep keep some of the stuff for there. But okay, let's start off with um, some stuff that isn't spoilers. Joe, Joe K writes in, uh, he says, there's been a lot to, uh, said about the Tuskegee experiments influence on the uh, Isaiah Bradley storyline. And rightfully so, as you know, the creators have referenced that in interviews. But uh, episode three in particular, I'm reminded even more so of another questionable episode of american history the immoral wait the the immortal cell line of henrietta Lacks. do you know what this is brad i know that there is um an hbo movie or series about it but i haven't seen it so i am not super familiar with the its place in history what well i gotta say i i had no idea anything about this but anyways um I'm reading from the from the email here. For those unfamiliar, Lax was an African American woman who died of cancer in 1951 without the knowledge, consent, or compensation of Henrietta herself or any of her family matter, members. Doctors at John Hopkins cultured her cells into what's called an immortalized human cell line, a line that is able to undergo an unlimited number of cell divisions, and thus can be reproduced indefinitely. Her cells have been used from everything from cancer and AIDS research to even the polio vaccine and has been the basis of some of 11,000 patents. Similar to how Isaiah Bradley's blood has been used and experimented on scientists decades later. Uh, The source of the cells were kept secret for 25 years and as standard practice to this day, there's been no compensation to Lax or her descendants for the use of the line. Uh, Henrietta Lack's story is not as black and white as the the Tuskegee experiment, but many people view it as another example of the way African-Americans have been exploited and dehumanized throughout American history. So I thought that was very interesting. I don't know. That was something I have not uh, learned about or read into or watched the documentary. It's a documentary or is it a series? Do you know? It's a dramatization. Dramatization. Um, I'm going to have to look that up. But okay, uh, we got another email from Sal who points out that I that I'm wrong. 
which happens very often, Brad. Uh, I've been saying Global Reparation Council, or reparation? Yeah, I've been saying Global Reparation Council, and it's Global Repatriation Council. Like, uh, like repatriation. So I've been saying it wrong is basically what I'm saying. I don't know. Anyways, uh, let's move on to our brief thoughts on this episode. So this is episode four. This is, uh, we're two thirds of the way through the series. This is a short, a short series. Um, the title is the whole world is watching, which I think comes to head at the end of the episode. And it's a uh, 53 minutes long, which is the same length as last week's episode. Uh, Brad, what did you think of this week's episode? Um, I, I liked it. You know, I, the, the series, um, continues to uh, impress me with what it does with the, the characters and uh, the thematic elements of the series. And I, I, you know, it's always more fascinating when the villain of a show isn't a flat out straight up uh, villain. And this is, series is definitely uh, one of those with, uh, you know, Carly being somebody who you, you could easily be sympathetic to if she wasn't becoming so radical, which as we see in this episode um, is something that goes to, uh, new heights, but um, I, I was particularly impressed with Sebastian Stan in this episode. Um, in the flashback that we get, um, I, I liked the conversation that Sam has with Carly in the series, and I liked the uh, escalation of what's going on with John Walker and his place as Captain America. Um, it's it's doing a lot of interesting things with these characters, and um, I'm very much curious as to how it all sort of. There's kind of an indication. As to like, I think we know where, where paths are going for certain characters, but the ultimate conclusion is still, I think, pretty well shrouded mystery. Hmm. Well, yeah, I think this episode starts off strong and it ends really strong. But the middle is kind of not not like bad, but just like you know, not as good as pre- the previous episode. I will say that the action in this one at times like took place in like these dark environments and made use of like very close up and fast cuts. And it was, I had to like rewind a couple times to like, I mean, it might also be that I'm taking notes while I'm watching this episode, but usually I'm able to like, you know, I, I was so, um, I, I complimented the action in like the first couple episodes because the geography of the scenes and the action, it felt so like it was all animatic out and you could, like it was very clear what was going on. And sometimes here I didn't, I couldn't tell who was getting kicked or what, do you know what I mean? And I had to kind of like rewind a second to just like clarify what, what actually happened or if I saw what I thought I saw was actually happening. So that, I don't know. That's a little bit of a criticism there, but I, I like you, Brad, am a fan of where this series is kind of dipping its toes thematically. Even if, you know, the show isn't about this. I, I love, what they're kind of the questions it's bringing up about, uh, you know, does power corrupt? Does, uh, you know, uh, you know, does the ends justify the means? When does someone become a bad guy? And I don't know. I'm, I'm actually, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a, of two minds in this because I know you, you're saying you love that. They're kind of giving the bad guy of the series a, through line where you can understand where they're coming from but on the other and i'm on that train too but on the other hand i'm like i kind of know or i don't know but i kind of anticipate that it's going to be one of those things like wanda and wandavision where you know they probably didn't end up being the villain all along do you know what i mean <laughs> you know it was it, it, it was the power broker all along it was agatha all along. do you know what i mean like in the end it's not going to be <laughs> I mean, the, uh, sh- sure, but like, we're getting to a point though where even though Carly is doing things to benefit people, like she's clearly made some poor, yeah. poor decisions, and there's oh, she's, she's for sure, yeah. So she's kind of reaching a point of no return. Yeah. Do, do you think that, or do you think by the end of the series, I feel like she's going to be redeemed and somewhat redeemed by the end of the series? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I think that's the best way to say it is like somewhat redeemed in, in some capacity. Yeah. She'll realize like that she's gone too far or something like that. But by that point, it'll have been too late. Yeah, I'm just hoping whoever the villain is of, of this series and we can talk about that later. We can speculate about that later, that it's not just like this cut and dry. Like they're, you know, a bad guy trying to, you know, watch the world burn, you know, wh- whatever it is, like the typical you know superhero villain thing. 
they, you know, I, I guess you know, wants all the power. <laughs> it's probably it, right? <laughs> uh, okay, uh, let's move into the actual breakdown. Uh, so this episode starts with the flashbacks to six years ago on Wakanda, which for some reason I wasn't expecting, even though last episode ended the way it did. And we see Bucky having this very emotional moment being told that he's finally free of the Hydra programming as, uh, as like they read that code to him. So I'm a little unclear here, Brad, like what actually, like, he seemed worried that he was going to snap into it when she read off the, the list of words, but he seems to be unprogrammed. Like what happened? I mean, I imagine that what we don't see in, you know, throughout or in this scene is all of the lead up to this is he's probably been like in some kind of uh, therapy meditation. Like they've been working on him and helping him become detached from these code words that, you know, when would activate him and essentially turn him into a drone that does the bidding of Hydra. And so I think this was probably the first time where they felt comfortable enough that he had been deprogrammed to the point where they could say the code words and he wouldn't, and he was there waiting just for it to go wrong. And uh, this, this was the scene in particular that I was very impressed with Sebastian Stan's uh, performance. Uh, He really like put everything he's got into this. um, And it was, it was a really good scene. Yeah, and we're seeing flashbacks from, you know, his past as the Winter Soldier and all the bad things he's done and uh, him, you know, thinking about that and fearing that that's going to come back. I don't know. Yeah, it's a wave of emotions that you can see being telegraphed through his eyes and his performance in the scene, which I I really liked. Uh, Back back in real time, AO uh, confronts Bucky about the working with Zemo, and he explains... It's a means to an end, and they give him eight hours to to figure it out before they come for Zemo because, you know, they, they're not happy that Zemo is on the loose. Um, it's kind of funny that uh, <laughs> that the scene before this is about freeing, freeing Bucky, and then the next scene is them being upset that Bucky freed, freed Zemo. Anyways, I don't know. Uh, the, the attack on the GRC depot last week has led to a, the Patch Act, which will result in the stricter, stricter borders. So my question to you, Brad, is what were they trying to accomplish last week with that? Because it seems like what Carly and the... Uh, the smashers are trying to do that. The flag smashers are trying to accomplish is they, they want the one world and this is accomplishing more like, you know, now the stricter borders and, you know, empowers the police to be bigger dicks, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where part of the, you know, the flaw in this plan comes into play is it's, it's, you know, when, when does this become too much and when are you actually, you know, that's when, like when Sam says later in the show, it's like, you're not, you know, changing the world, you're just making the world uh, different, you know, or you're not making it a better place, you're just making it different, you know? And so it's, yeah. it's something where they think that what they're doing will end up making a positive change, but it's really just, you know, changing the game in a way that isn't necessarily helpful for anybody. Yeah, it kind of backfired on them, I think, is basically what happened, which I'm wondering if, like, those motivations of the, that attack last week were more more motivated more, yeah, more motivated by emotion than, like, you know, 3D chess of trying to figure out where this could help them in the situation, but I don't know. Uh, Sam and Bucky believe that Carly could be turned, and Zemo argues that the desire to be a super soldier or yeah, the desire to be a super soldier corrupts and creates supremacy. So I think this is one of the more interesting thematic questions that is asked by this episode, because, you know, obviously the most famous person that was a super soldier in this universe is Steve Rogers. And it didn't seem to corrupt him much at all. But on the other hand, everybody else that seems to have gotten their hands on the serum have uh you know kind of gone power crazy what do you think brad yeah it's it's definitely a thing where you know steve rogers seems to be the the exception rather than the rule and you know the part of this conversation also includes the um another another conversation in this episode also 
talks about the idea of that the super soldier serum kind of enhances what's already there, you know? So if there is this, that darkness inside of you or this hunger for power, when you have more power, then that's just going to, you know, become a bigger problem. And that's, you know, uh, obviously why we see what happens at the end of this episode um, come to fruition as well, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the, the trio search a refugee camp for information and I'm kind of wondering why did why did the flag smashers put their hand symbol on everything? It seems like kind of counterproductive if like you know they're w- always worried about the police showing up or something. Like don't they don't like shouldn't they not want them to know that they that this is a base or something? I mean, I think most of them before now have been digital. This is the I think this is one of the first ones we see that's like a yeah. physical one, right? So. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's just because it's it's like it's their stronghold, and if you know, you know, kind of thing. Because it's, it's not really like their like full on like base or layer. Like it's a place where they're like helping kids and stuff like that, kind of like an orphanage, you know. So there's probably not a lot of cops that are coming, you know, snooping around there. Yeah, and I, I'm being overly critical here. I get that. I'm just kind of joking around, but at the same time. I do think if you're part of this like radical group, you probably would have like the symbol like in your home or like on your wall or something. Yeah, I mean, and, like, and plus, yeah. you know, it's it's kind of a staple of these, you know, comic yeah. book organizations, villains. They always <laughs> leave their calling card, and it's like, well, but they never would have known if you if you hadn't told them. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? The the wet bandits. The wet bandits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite villains of all time. Okay, uh, Zemo is able to coerce the children into giving him information by giving them candy, which I think is the greatest. And uh, they tell him what they what he needs to know, and he gives them candy not to tell Sam and Bucky anything, which I thought would come come up to like come up later in this episode, but didn't seem like it seems like you know not to jump ahead, but he seems to give them the information that they that the kids gave them well yes and i mean no and i think but i think it's because if he would have given it to them straight away then they have no reason to keep him around or take him with them you know it's it's him constantly having that leverage over them so that he has to always be with them and so that he can continue to figure out what his way out of this is going to be that is a very good point okay so sam explains the global situation in a better way that i don't think we've heard it before on this show the snap made the whole world come together in a way that it's never it never has before and when everybody got flipped back it the borders basically returned and it you know kind of riled some people up because as we talked in previous episodes you know people's positions were probably threatened and you know the people that uh you know progressed in life and you know upgraded in life uh you're now dealing with the people that you know the the jobs they replaced and stuff like that um so yeah uh sam asks sharon for help because he needs a trustworthy set of eyes and it's interesting during the scene uh that you see sharon walking around like this i don't know shifty place with like like graffiti and stuff and it seems like she has like a half dozen goons working for her which seems like a lot of goons to be working for like an art dealer. Do you have any thoughts on this, Fred? Not particularly. <laughs> no. Oh no, I feel like there's something more going on here. Which we can get we can get into that in the speculation section, but <laughs> I don't know. Uh Carly and her guard retrieved the super soldier serum from its hiding place in a graveyard and her guard uh or her right-hand man or uh, do you know the guy's name? I I I'm forgetting that character's name but uh he tells her that he was a captain america fan as a kid and he didn't believe there were ever going to be there was never going to be another captain america and that's now what he looks at carly as like she's like the next like representation of those kind of beliefs uh and, and carly doesn't seem to be happy about that she she thinks the shield should be you know destroyed so, uh, like you said, Brad, I, I do love how the show is giving us a perspective of the Flag Smashers that isn't just the evil bad guys. We're getting their intentions. We're feeling for them. I, you know, I I relate to these people, even though, you know, they, they are doing some bad things and uh, maybe I shouldn't be. Uh, at the same time, it feels like, like I said, they're being set up for redemption. 
So I, I wanted to ask you, Brad. You know, I, I I think I've already alluded to this, but who do you, if they're not the villain, who is the villain of this show? I mean, obviously, it has to be the power broker. So um, <laughs> it's you know, I, I'm curious to see who that is um, and exactly you know their larger place and everything. But yeah, obviously, there will be redemption for you know the, the Carly um, and the Flag Smashers in some capacity, and they'll probably just be end up being a tool in this person's larger plan. Yeah. Walker and Battlestar confront Sam and Bucky, and Zemo reveals that Carly is at a memorial for the woman who died last week. So Sam argues that this would be the best time to actually reason with Carly as a human being rather than like strike upon her with like, you know, as you know, cops or superheroes or whatever, you know, whatever they would normally do. Uh, as Sam goes in, John Walker restrains Zemo, and Sam confronts Carly. Uh, right after the memorial, she she believes she's making the world a better place. And Sam argues that it's not a better place if she's killing people. So uh, I, I think that 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 distinction right there is is very clear. I don't think anybody can agree that killing people is, is a good thing. So that that's the line that is drawn. Um, Sam tells Carly about Zemo's theory that she is a supremacist because she's, you know, gotten this the serum and the power is going to corrupt her. And Sam agrees with her fight, but doesn't agree with how she's fighting. Uh, I think this is interesting because while Carly believes she's not a supremacist and she seems to have her reasons for doing what she's doing, it's interesting that later on in the show, she says that she believes that she has been chosen. It's almost like uh, these people have come together in a way that it was meant to be. And that historically, like supremacists say say that thing. So I, I think that's interesting. Um, John Walker decides to go in even as it hasn't been the 10 minutes that he promised. And uh, Walker shows up like a, I wrote in my notes. Walker shows up like a cop. <laughs> and Carly is angry and makes a run for it. Uh, Zemo finds her and shoots at her. And I, I think this is interesting because it's funny that we've seen Carly come up against all these, like, super strong heroes. We've seen her come up against Walker and uh, Battlestar and Bucky and Sam and whatever. And it, it, it seems like in a matter of moments, I, I know she was kind of, like, caught off guard, but it's just Zemo with a gun. And he he's able to kind of, like, take her down. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so he takes her down and the super serum falls to the ground and Zima goes over to it and picks him up before destroying them. Uh, did, did you think in this moment that he might actually take them? I was curious if he was going to take them, but then, but like in the time that it took me to think back and be like, no, cause he doesn't, he doesn't want any super soldiers around. And then he started smashing them. So I was like, okay, that's, that's yeah. what I thought. <laughs> well, that could have all been BS, right? Like he could have been like, he, he clearly has some other end game here, I think. Well, but no, but I mean, I mean, going back to like civil war, yeah. you know, cause like oh, yeah, cause yeah. in the civil sure. war, they make it seem like he's trying to activate the other super soldiers that were created by Hydra in that Arctic base, but he actually wants to destroy them. So. Very true. Very true. Uh, John Walker takes Zemo out with the, the shield and he finds one of the vials of the serum and decides to take it for himself. Uh, you know, I, I'm actually surprised here because this whole, you know, what, we've been doing this podcast and this whole time I've been arguing that Walker already had the serum, but it looks like I was wrong. Looks like, what were you going to say? No, I mean, yeah, it was, I think it was clear that it was, it was heading in this direction because, you know, as good as he is as a soldier, he just can't, you know, match wits with some of these people, especially superheroes. And he, I knew that that pressure was going to get to him and he was going to try and take a shortcut to you know, being the Captain America that he thinks he needs to be. And he sees this as a way of doing it. Yeah. And the other thing is you, you can't, he can't uh, blame the serum for him being a dick because right. he's already a dick, which I guess, you know, when, when power corrupts, you know, uh, okay. So the power broker texts Carly and threatens to find them and kill them. If they don't give them the serum back. Oh no, Brad, the serum has just been destroyed. So I think this is probably going to come to a head at some point in the series. Uh, Zemo asked Sam if he was ever 
offered the serum and he says he wasn't. And he said if he was, he wouldn't have taken it if someone had offered it to him. I'm wondering, like, does this color Steve in any bad light? Because Steve, you know, was offered it and did take it. But it's a it's he was given, though, like the I guess the test that made it so that, you know, the um the doctor understood that this was someone who was pure of heart and wasn't going to be corrupted by that pa- yeah. that power, you know. And so it wasn't a matter of Steve wasn't taking it to give himself an advantage. He you know, it was presented to him and he accepted, you know, the idea of like what they they wanted him to be. And so it wasn't really about him tr- trying to himself to become more powerful. It was accepting that, you know, this was something that could could be given to him and could help him, you know, fulfill this idea of, you know, stopping those who would bully others, you know, so that he, he could he would, it wasn't trying to be a hero. He was trying to help people. Yeah, I think that's a fair argument. So Zemo argues that super soldiers can't be allowed to exist. Sam says blood isn't always the solution. And uh, I don't know. Zemo seems to be so anti-superheroes in this in this series. Where do you think this might be leading? Well, I mean, we kind of get that question here, too, as, as far as if he's so anti, you know, super soldiers, then, you know, how, how, where does he stand? I don't think it's just super soldiers. I think he at one time, point he mentions the Avengers. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, he like because he he thinks that you know they get put on these pedestals and essentially become gods. Yeah. And but like the in this specific um, situation, you know, he's working with Bucky, you know, as a means to an end for himself as well. And yeah. at some point, you have to wonder if he's will take advantage of any you know advantage he has over Bucky and will try and, you know, take him out of the equation. So Walker storms in on Bucky and Sam. And just as a fight is about to erupt, uh, the door uh shows up and like, it's, it's now like a Mexican standoff of sorts. Uh, I love the, that badass line about the jurisdiction of where they find themselves. Yeah, be. exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, the Dormelage uh, go at it with Walker and Battlestar and Sam and Bucky try to intervene. And this gives Zemo just enough opportunity to escape. Um, Bucky, like, gets his... I don't know, how how would you describe this? His Winter Soldier arm gets disconnected? Yeah, it seems, yeah it seems like she knows, like, just the right places to hit it in order to detach it from uh, his body. Presumably because, you know, Wakandans are the one that made that thing, so... Yeah, and Bucky didn't even know that was like possible. So like, they yeah. didn't tell Bucky how to like remove his arm if he wanted his arm like detached. I'm sure I'm sure he knows how to do it, but he probably I bet you like that's probably like a different way that he didn't know like that anybody else could do to him. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, Walker is defeated and he's angry, and it wasn't even super soldiers that took him out. Uh, and he's he's like you know he's feeling like a true bro where he. Uh, feels like uh inadequate in his in, in his abilities to be the new captain america uh J- john asked uh battlestar if he would take the serum if he was g- giving the opportunity and battlestar believes that power doesn't corrupt it just amplifies who the person is already at their core now i, I know we've already brought this up but what do you think? Do you, well, I mean, obviously, we've already shown John Walker to he's he's not a good guy. I don't think maybe one day he, maybe he was a good guy. I think he wants originally. so desperately to be a good guy that he he puts too much pressure on himself and ends up making the wrong decisions. And I think that he the other issue he has is he just he lets things get to him too much and he becomes unhinged and like bordering on on being crazy, you know, and so. He's it's one of those quintessential things where like uh, like we've talked about before where the villains think that they're doing the right thing and they're in the right uh, because of their perspective, but it's just huge just enough that it makes them not the good guy. Yeah, and they also show shades of like him seemingly to enjoy the fame that he has like more than we we've seen other superheroes. Even you know Tony Stark hasn't enjoyed fame in the way like you know taking selfies with people. Well, I mean I guess Tony Stark did that in the beginning of Iron Man. Yeah, he definitely uh, yeah, he definitely MySpace. Yeah, definitely <laughs> did that. I I think that with with him it's I'm 
I don't know that he like fully enjoys it. I think he just wants so badly to live up to this image that he has for himself, but that also other people have of him, especially now that he's Captain America, you know? And it's, I, I like well, his yeah, He also pulled off the like, do you know who I am thing? Yeah, for week. sure. For sure. Yeah. He clearly has, you know, it's, it's a whole thing where he, he uses his title and his position in a real asshole way, as opposed to just, you know, being decent about it. But then I also, what I like about, I like the complexity of him as a character, because even though we're supposed to like hate him and dislike him, and he's clearly taking a darker turn, he's, there's still a driving force in him that, that is, you know, fairly good, you know, because when they're having this conversation about whether or not, you know, he would take the super soldier serum, they're talking about, you know, how many more lives they could have saved when they were in Afghanistan, if they had the super soldier serum. So it comes from this place of wanting to do good, but they just don't know the right or best way to go about yeah. doing it. Well, well, people hate him because uh, Wyatt Russell has been getting death threats online because, because of the this, this show, which, uh, I don't know, it's crazy. Because it's pretty unreasonable. It, it is unreasonable. People hate the character, don't hate the actor, don't, well, first of all, don't, don't ever threaten anybody's life. That's just stupid. That's that. That is unreasonable. I mean, I I feel like the people that do that, like, they're not taking the lessons. Like th- this old this episode here, we have the heroes of this episode. Sam basically saying that nothing is worth you know the blood. You know, it's it's I don't know. Not that they're actually going to kill him. It's you know I'm sure it's empty threats from behind a computer, but it's stupid. Um, the other thing I think that's interesting here with the the themes of this episode is or even the show in general is not just um does power corrupt but does the ends justify the means or does it become just this very slippery slope because you, you see this a lot in politics and especially where we have been these, these last couple of years like i feel like it's very easy to get yourself wrapped up around a cause and then it just you, you're what you justify as being okay keeps on slipping right because it, it, it it's all for the, the the greater good that's the end goal and you know if you end up making you end up making some miscalculations i'm not trying to justify anybody here i'm just but uh i'm just saying like it's it's interesting that uh that a marvel show would go into this well i guess it is a marvel show about captain america so you have to go into this kind of stuff but um john has a feeling of inadequacy and he probably, that, that's probably what leads him to take the serum. And, uh, Carly calls Sam's sister has a heart to heart with her before threatening her life and the lives of her sons. And Carly gives, uh, coordinates to give to Sam. So Sam is told to meet Carly alone on the rooftop, but he brings Bucky along. Doesn't listen. Carly explains that she doesn't want to hurt Sam and, she has no reason to hurt him and she explains that he should join her or at very least do the world a favor and let her go because she's doing you know good for this world and just around this point sharon sees that walker is approaching and alerts sam from afar the flag smashers uh they they tie uh lamar hoskins up and Walker gets into like this close quarters fight with one of the flag smashers. And they, they quickly realize that he also has super strength. So he's, I'm guessing he took the serum in the period of that conversation with Hoskins and this fight, which could have been, I guess the next day or something. Um, so he's finally able to go toe to toe with these super uh, soldiers and uh, Falcon Bucky and Walker take on a bunch of the Flag Smasher goons. There's some good, like, action movie one-liners by Bucky here that I enjoyed. But I really didn't enjoy the action in this episode. And I wanted to ask you, because I mentioned this in our brief thoughts, like, what did you think? Uh, It didn't seem like it was cut in as coherent of a way as we've seen in previous episodes of the series. But the one thing that I do appreciate... Um, in the action and it's something that's been consistent whenever Falcon is in his flight suit is how um, they've choreographed, you know, the combat and how he uses his suit to his advantage. 
uh, since you know he doesn't have superpowers, and so he has to use what he has at his disposal. And so I, I like like the certain jumps he makes and like kicks while he's using the the flight suit and how he uses the the jetpack portion, you know, as essentially as a weapon. And so I like things like that. But the I will say that the sequence itself just didn't seem like it was quite as coherent as we've seen before. Yeah. So Lamar is able to cut himself out and joins the fight. Car- Carly kicks him into the post, and he. I, guessing we're led to believe he was killed on impact maybe like a like a he broke his neck or something yeah that's what i'm thinking his neck or his spine or something and just totally just immediately killed him were you shocked by this moment uh yeah it was definitely a surprising thing because it it was it's a hard hit and you feel it and it's pretty brutal and you it's it's a very quick thing you realize in the moment it's like oh okay so this is not going to be a good thing for carly (laughs) and certainly not going to be a good thing for john walker yeah, I, I was particularly shocked because I assumed that this character would stick around and be kind of, uh, what does John Walker become after Captain America? I keep on forgetting it. Uh, U.S. agent. U.S. agent. I thought he was going to be like, you know, his, uh, his coat, you know, his, his like. Sidekick. Sidekick. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for, Brad. Sidekick. Uh and uh i don't know in the comics he gets the super serum from the power broker i thought there i thought there was something gonna be up with this but um i don't know maybe it makes sense it it seems like lamar was also kind of like a voice of reason at times for for walker and losing him obviously we're you know we see him get unhinged in the resulting scene yeah not, not losing... his yeah his death will clearly like is what is driving him to that next level of madness but now there's nobody holding him back from doing the most extreme things to get the job done yes exactly and even carly knows this and it, it was a big mistake after it happens she's like oh shit i'm gonna make a run for it uh walker goes in pursuit brutally attacking one of the flag smashers in with his shield in the middle of a public square, in front of many people, including those with camera phones, uh, I'm guessing live streaming on their social media accounts, or you know at least videotaping, and uh, so they could post it online after. It almost looked like a decapitation, but they didn't quite go that far. I'm assuming because it's Disney, and the episode ends with a shot of Walker holding a sh- bloody shield, which I think is so great because it's such, you know, this this series has gone done such a great job of painting the shield as like this iconic symbol of hope and defense and now it's become like the complete opposite of that yeah it was uh the last shot is definitely one of those like <laughs> comic panel shots of where it's it's a hero shot but it's warped by seeing the blood on cap shield yeah i feel like this show has had a lot of great like ending like ending an episode not like it's like like a big shock or twist but just like getting me ramped up for like I want to see the next episode, and then you know I have to wait a week. But <laughs> uh, also, uh, we should mention the 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 title of this episode was what the world is watching. The whole world is watching. The whole world is watching. So I'm guess they're talking about this moment, which I guess. Uh, do you have anything else to say about this episode? Uh, no, not really. It's um. I think that this really sets the table for, you know, John Walker taking a a clearly severely dark turn. And uh, it'll be interesting to see whether he goes rogue from the government because of this. If the government, you know, uh, takes away his title as Captain America or uh, what happens from that. I'm sure that's going to be a big part of how the, the series continues for these upcoming last two episodes. Yeah. Okay, let's get into our speculation. So the the title of this episode was the the whole world is watching. So I'm guessing, I'm guessing that's going to lead into what happens in the next episode. So what, what do you think? How do you think social media, the government, how do you think they're going to react to to these events? I mean, you hope that it's going to be a thing where they are uh, upset Outraged. by it. Yeah, but as we've seen in the real world, there have been plenty of heinous things that have been done where people are, are like, eh, whatever. Uh, so, oh, oh, that flag smatcher was a, was a terrorist, and he killed you know, hundreds of people, and you know, this was the only way to take him down, and yeah, you know, there'll be all this justification from the U.S. government. Yeah, exactly. So um, 
yeah, that's I think that'll be definitely be a big part of how the next two episodes uh, proceed for sure. Hmm. I like that the show, you know, the, I assume that the show is going to be kind of like a more insular thing, but I like how it every episode feels like it's affecting the the Marvel Cinematic Universe at large in a big way. Yeah, I I mean, it's interesting because it has that feeling, but I also found myself thinking about where we'll be after the end of this uh, <laughs> series or season and whether or not it has any larger impact on the universe other than the potential introduction of Sam as the new Captain America. Like, does it does it shift anything in the, the world? You know, does it change? Hmm. I, I'm curious about what it changes on a larger playing field. And so... If anything, it's probably good that it, it doesn't, you know, because we have we talked about before how Marvel may, may have this issue where things happen in these shows, but not all casual moviegoers are watching them before they go see the next movies. And so you have to wonder how much, you know, they have to try and keep a status quo while still allowing, you know, character arcs to, to develop and unfold in these shows. I mean, it has to be kind of like, you know, the Star Wars books, the, like the Star Wars books are canon and they're doing it in reverse. This is doing it uh, proactively, but th- the same applies in that the Star Wars books can explain why big things happen. Like, why did the First Order rise and all that stuff? Uh, you know, here it's happening in the opposite order where they're, you know, in Star Wars are explaining it after the fact. But it's stuff that like, I guess that was probably like, the worst example I could have probably given because the movie doesn't explain it. But what I'm saying is, like, you know, Falcon showing up as Captain America in the next movie can be explained with a line. And those of us who watch the show, it means more. Or, you know, the how the blip affected the world and the GC, all the stuff could be explained, like, with one line about, like, the Sokovian Accords. And do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it doesn't really need to be, like, that big of a deal. So, yeah, how much, how big world changing can they go is the question it, 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 they can only go as big as it can be explained in like a couple sentences right probably yeah okay uh zemo has escaped where is he going what is what is he what is he gonna do here is are we gonna see more of him i guess we saw that shot of him in front of that gravestone or tomb or memorial or whatever it is i know some people seem to think it's the sokovian memorial but you're saying it's like his family or something yeah probably that's what i think yeah so what do you think he's up to what do you think his end game is i honestly don't know i mean if anything he's one of those characters too that marvel can keep in their back pocket where you know he's out there and uh he doesn't necessarily have to have a grand plan to wrap up this season uh maybe he's will just be out in the wild and will reemerge, you know in a later show or in a, a movie or something like that um because uh, you know I guess his could this be setting up Black Panther too? Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, perhaps I get. I mean, if yeah, if Wakanda still wants him and he's out there, then that could yeah. be could come into play as uh, a part of Black Panther too. Um, the the only other thing that I was thinking of is whether or not Zemo maybe sees that this is a play for him to somehow team up with the Power Broker. Um, but you know, we don't really know exactly what Zemo wants right now, other than just to be not be in prison and potentially <laughs> continue to try and uh bring balance to you know i guess the power that's at play by you know keeping superheroes from becoming these revered icons yeah i'm not convinced that it'll lead into black panther 2 but this is another thing that could be explained in like you know one sentence yeah it's like zemo has escaped we need to find him <laughs> yeah i mean like it's like very easy to explain that you don't have to see the whole show um Carly and the Flag Smashers. I know we've been kind of alluding to this, but they they stole the serum from the power broker. Power broker, he wants it back, but it no longer exists because it has been destroyed. <laughs> How do you think this is gonna get settled? I feel like I feel like Carly and the Flag Smashers are going to have to they're going to have to relent and side with you know falcon and winter soldier for help against the power broker i, I mean as they're they're establishing the power brokers as like real, really powerful character I and mean, what do you think yeah i mean i guess he's 
there's no serum for him to get. So unless he plans on trying to get his hands on Walker or Bucky to somehow get their their blood again to start work over on having you know the the serum recreated again. Uh, you know he doesn't have the talented doctor that he did before since Zemo shot him. So uh, yeah, I'm not entirely sure what the power brokers you know play is here and how how that will resolve itself in the end. Okay, so the next email is a theory that I think could very well pan out. I also have reasons why it might not to decide against it, but I want to give you out there that are listening to the show the chance to tune out if, if you don't want to hear a theory that could potentially spoil a twist. But again, this is just a theory. I We... And this is a theory that's going around the internet in a big way, so much so that I think I got 10 emails telling me this theory. And it's something I alluded to last on last week's episode. So I'll read the email I think that best uh, laid it out here. So David T. wrote in and said, uh, once you mentioned that Sharon Carter acting slash appearing suspiciously at the shipping yard, I think she's the power broker. And here's why. Sharon worked for the CIA, like the former Hydra Serum Doctor. She even introduces the character by leading Sam and Bucky to the shipping container inside which I at least thought they could have easily been be trapped. Her predic- predicament is fleshed out in the same episode where we learn the motives behind the Flag Smashers. Comparing the two, we see both are willing to kill, and Carly is a bright-eyed, radical idealist, whereas... We see Sharon is an embittered and jaded former almost poster child for American intelligence, which the MCU makes corrupt. A reveal of Sharon as the Thorian extremist power broker would highlight the dangerous, dramatic dichotomy of these two characters and heighten the conflict Sam and Bucky are wading into. And finally, stealing art. Really, Sharon? So, um, okay, so we should establish that number one uh, characters in the show have referred to the power breaker uh, with the male sex pronouns. So they've said he. Uh, does that rule anything out, Brad? I think like that just further like could be to swerve later on, right? Uh, yeah, probably, especially because you know it's not uncommon for a character to use a voice changer when you know talking to people or something like that. And so if no one's ever actually seen the power broker, then it could just be, you know, assumed or made to look like that. It's uh, a man. Yeah. And the graffiti in that uh, last episode, like had like, there was like some graffiti, like the power brokers watching you and it had like eyes like on the wall or something. Yeah. And... But I, I don't necessarily know if that was like meant to be like a portrait of the actual power broker or just like, oh, a, no, no. a set of intimidating eyes, you know, but I take it like as the power broker is kind of like from afar that like people don't see the power broker is what the impression I take. Uh, I gotcha. But... Okay. I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe I'm wrong there. So the the thing here that, and by the way, this is what I believed last week. I didn't want to say it because I really didn't want to like if I was right to spoil anything for anybody. But it seems like so many people are saying this theory that um, it'd be stupid not to address it. There's so many videos out there. There's so many people on Twitter. Um, but the one thing that I'm not too sure about here is Zemo mentions that he knew the power broker before he was put in jail at one point. And at that time, Sharon was not on the run. She was still, um, whatever she was doing at the time. (laughs) So, I mean, but there's also the possibility that she was the power broker back then. And we didn't know about it. And like, this isn't a change. She's been, you know, she has some big plan from all along and she was working inside the CIA and, you know, shield and all that stuff. Uh, Brad, all, now that this has all been laid out for you, what do you think the chances are that Sharon is the power broker? It seems unlikely. Unlikely. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, you think I it's likely? This. I will say this. At this point, I do think you either need to have some big character that hasn't appeared in the show that would be like a big twist of like from someone from the MCU. Not necessarily someone that we've seen before, but like it has to be like some kind of big, big name character or it's a character we've seen so far in the season. 
and I feel like the only person that we've seen so far this season that could likely be well, it could be Zemo, but I don't I don't buy that because he's been in jail. Yeah, I think she's the only one that could be if it's someone that we've seen in the season, right? It's the only one that makes the most sense if yeah. you were to, to go that route. But yeah, yeah I don't know. Okay. Uh, let's move on from there. That, now that we put that out in the universe, I have one last thing. I mentioned that it could be another character in the MCU. And there was this interview with the showrunner of the show, uh, Spellman, uh, with Rotten Tomatoes. And he talked about episode five, which is the next episode coming up. So uh, this is a quote that's been going around the Internet. So if you don't want to hear it, you know, tune out now. But he's been saying this publicly. He says that there is a big surprise character coming who he considers to be the episode five character. And he says, and he also said, I think episode five will like make people cry. Um, he says it's a big episode in this, this season. He says that the character has a quote, strong personality. And he'd like to see this individual side by side with Thor in a future like movie or show. Who do you think that is Brad? I really don't know. It was, I, I, um, I tried to think about this because we talked about the, uh, this was you know in this in the Slack, and I'm honestly not sure because like I couldn't really think of anybody who was like who would be a big deal. That yeah, I don't I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I know, but I'm not I'm not going to reveal this because I don't want to ruin the fun for for anyone out there. But I will say that it's not a character that's from the marvel movies it's a marvel a big marvel character and it is um it's a big uh actor who who hasn't been named in the series like so like usually we get the casting and stuff like that so this is someone we didn't know was going to be in this the the series and is an award-winning actor actress so so there you go so let, let, let the that rumor mill go until i'm sure we're going to find out next week well, no, we are going to find out next week because Spellman said we we're going to find out next week. So, um, yeah, if, if you have any speculation questions, uh, point out things that we we totally missed, please send them to Peter at Slashfilm.com. I would love to, you know, read your emails, even if they don't end up in this the next episode. But we'll, we'll, we try to read all the ones that are relevant um, that we can. So please send them to Peter at Slashfilm.com. You can find more of all of our work at Slashfilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please head on over to our Apple page. Write us a five-star review. It takes five seconds of your time to write one sentence uh, saying, you know, Brad is awesome. Peter's okay. What? No, don't say Peter's okay. Say, say, say good, positive things. It honestly helps a lot of people discover the show. Apple will rank us higher uh, if, with your enthusiasm. So we very much appreciate that. Uh, and yeah, thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you on Monday.